Leaders of Taiwan's diplomatic allies are flying in to attend the double tenth National Day celebration, led by Governor General Susan Dugan. A delegation from St. Vincent and the Grenadines arrived last Saturday, followed by the President of the Republic of Nauru and his wife. They were received separately at the presidential office on Monday. I want to thank Governor General Dugan and the government of St. Vincent and the Grenadines for their long-standing support for Taiwan's international participation. During the United Nations General Assembly in September, Prime Minister Ralph Gonsalves called on the international community to embrace Taiwan's participation in the UN and other international organizations. We deeply appreciate this show of support. A country which is respected as a global symbol of democracy and social resilience. The international recognition of being not only the most democratic country in Asia, but the tenth democratic in the world. It is with immense honor that Madam and I embark on another visit to your enchanting country, culminating in the celebration of your National Day. On this momentous occasion of the 112th National Day of the Republic of China, Taiwan, commonly known as Double Tenth Day. President Tsai Ing-wen and Foreign Minister Joseph Wu extended their welcome to the visiting leaders. The officials expressed hope that through the National Day visits, Taiwan and its allies will continue to grow their friendship. At Tuesday's National Day celebration, the spotlight will shine on four marching bands, two from Taiwan and two from abroad. Hailing from the U.S. is the solid gold sound of the UCLA Bruins Marching Band, a renowned group that has entertained crowds around the world. There's also the Emerald Knights of Tokyo University of Agriculture's second high school. One day before the parade, the four bands rehearsed together at Taipei's Liberty Square. Organizers hope the performances will showcase the close friendship Taiwan shares with Japan and the U.S. Representing the second high school of Tokyo University of Agriculture, the Emerald Knights liven up the square with a medley of anime themes. Next up is the Bruin Marching Band of the University of California, Los Angeles. The band changes formation, stepping in unison to a grand march. It's a majestic sight to behold. For this year's National Day Parade, we at the GACC invited the Bruin Marching Band of the U.S.'s UCLA. Their performances at American football games are superb. We wanted them to participate as a symbol of the friendship between Taiwan and the U.S. This year's National Day Parade features performances by Japan's Emerald Knights and the Bruin Marching Band. Each of the two schools has its strengths, so we hope their participation showcases the friendship between Taiwan and the U.S. and Taiwan and Japan. One day before their performances, the two marching bands rehearsed with the drum and bugle corps of the ROC Naval Academy and Jianguo High School's marching band. Vice President Lai Tingde paid them a visit. Some came to Taiwan all the way from the U.S. and Japan, and others are from Taiwan. You've all practiced 
practice for many long hours to put on the most exciting performance tomorrow, working extremely hard. I hope it all goes smoothly, and I hope that everyone watching can come and take part in our National Day celebration tomorrow. Lai offered words of encouragement to the bands and wished them success on the big day. The four groups from Taiwan, Japan and the US are sure to become a highlight of this year's double tenth celebrations. A Taiwanese tour group visiting Israel returned to Taiwan Monday morning after armed conflict broke out in the region. This group is one of five that were in the area at the time the war began. Another group has arranged to come back early. The others will stay out of the conflict zone with no immediate plans for evacuation. A traveler rushes out to hug her loved ones. After the militant group Hamas launched an attack on Israel, war broke out in the region, prompting Taiwanese tourists to make a harrowing escape. Our tour guide was quite brusque, telling us to get on the bus fast. At the time, we didn't know why. We got on the bus, and then they told us that we had to go back to the hotel because they had seen missiles above Jerusalem. When we were there, I heard that more than 200 people had died, and several thousands were injured. With conflict escalating in the area, a 29-person Lion Travel Tour Group returned to Taiwan on Monday. They departed from Tel Aviv's International Airport in the early morning and caught a connecting flight to Taiwan from Hong Kong. One traveler's family greeted her with bubble tea, the comforting taste of home. We're here to welcome her back. It was her first time traveling abroad, and on this first time, she encounters a war and a typhoon. I was very worried for her. She really wanted to drink some Taiwanese bubble tea. According to the Tourism Administration, at the time war broke out, there were five Taiwanese tour groups in the area, with a total of 124 travelers. Two artisan tour groups were in northern Israel, some distance away from the conflict zone. One group was organized by the Yongshin Travel Service, which has made arrangements for an early return to Taiwan. A 29-person Lion tour group which was visiting Jerusalem has already returned to Taiwan. The travel agency has also cancelled all of its tours to Israel scheduled for the rest of the month. A group of 21 organized by UniTravel currently in Jordan has called off its Israel itinerary but does not plan to return early. If we can't get refunds for the visas and plane tickets, it would be a big monetary loss for people who had booked a tour. A package tour to Israel and Jordan can cost upward of 100,000 NT per traveler, not an insignificant sum. Even so, it may be better to take the loss than fly into a war zone. Taiwan won 12 awards at this year's R&D 100 Awards, dubbed the Oscars of Innovation. That's the most of any country in Asia and the second most worldwide. Eight of those awards were won by the Industrial Technology Research Institute, or ETRI. ETRI's innovations include a precision technology for destroying tumors and a novel therapy for glaucoma. This long, thin electrode needle features a claw-like tip, allowing for adjustments to direction and the treatment of variously sized tumors. Through minimally invasive percutaneous surgery, the needle can accurately locate tumors and carry out ablation. In clinical cancer treatment, it reduces damage to surrounding tissues and shortens the recovery period. The Industrial Technology Research Institute, or ETRI, developed this advanced precision medicine technology and transferred it to a domestic manufacturer. 
manufacturer. Our efforts have led to success in securing approval from the U.S. FDA and Taiwan's FDA. We've also secured health insurance coverage, so our technology is already starting to be used at medical centers. Targeting the aging population, Eatree also developed eye drops that treat glaucoma. This is the world's first dual-target glaucoma medication, effective in reducing intraocular pressure by allowing the aqueous humor to flow out. It's currently in clinical trials. Eatree won eight prize at the R&D 100 Awards, dubbed the Oscars of Innovation. That's more than international institutions like the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, DuPont and NASA. Other R&D institutions in Taiwan won four awards, giving the nation 12 in total. E-Tree's awards can be roughly divided into two categories. One category has to do with sustainability, and about five awards were won in this category. The other category has to do with LOHAS and aging well and the medical aspect of that. Three awards are in this category. We won 12 prizes at the R&D 100 awards. I think that this is quite an impressive achievement. I believe we're number one in Asia and on par with advanced Western nations. For 16 years in a row, Taiwan has been among the winners of the R&D 100 awards. Its innovations not only drive industrial growth, but also showcase the nation's R&D capabilities to the world. The second Mazu Biennial has begun. The Outlying Islands Art Festival will continue for 51 days with dozens of huge artworks and installations on the coast. The theme this year is Red Aged Over Summer, a reference to the famous red yeast rice wine brewed on the islands. The food culture of the Mazu Islands is a big highlight and there are lots of wine-themed creations and edible products for visitors to sample, including wine-flavored tea. A scooter rider heads down the coast, passing attractions big and small and enjoying the wind in her hair. The second Matsu Biennial is here. Matsu's natural splendour and wartime relics are the backdrop for the Matsu Biennial. This year, artists from all over the world have been invited to come take part. The theme is red-aged over summer and visitors can admire the unique beauty of Matsu over 51 days of the biennial. The Matsu Islands are bursting with delights. They've got food, drinks, sparkling tea and Matsu rice wine. And so you can really have a good drink as you enjoy the exhibition. There are 70 magnificent works of art on display, including large-scale installations on the coast. A highlight is the Army Spirits Power Plant, open to the public for the first time in 76 years. Visitors are astonished to find themselves going back in time as they enter the exhibit, which features live dance performances. If we say that last year's biennial was a 2.0 version, this year is 4.0. We keep thinking, the exhibition is so rich this year, how can we possibly follow it next time? The biennial also sees features of Matsu turned into delicious snacks, like these limited edition pastries with wine leaves and figs, and a sparkling tea drink with the flavour of Matsu rice wine. We use extractive distillation to evaporate some of the alcohol concentration of the rice wine, but preserve the rich aroma. We're turning the things we've gathered in Matsu into real commercial products and sending them to Taiwan while keeping them in Matsu. The biennial is a true blend of art and life and a must-visit for any fans of Matsu's unique culture.
The first Taiwan-made weather satellite is now in orbit. Known as Triton, or the Wind Hunter satellite, it launched from French Guiana on October 9th local time, carried by a Vega C rocket. At 10.30 a.m., it detached from the rocket to enter low Earth orbit. The satellite will be used to make weather forecasts more accurate by tracking sea surface wind speeds. 82% of the satellite parts were produced domestically with support from more than 20 private and public sector organizations. The successful launch of Taiwan's first weather satellite was made possible by the support of our entire space industry, all our space teams. It can receive eight sets of signals at a time. The most powerful systems today can only manage four. We face challenges during the development process, including funding constraints and COVID-19. But the strongest steel is forged by the hottest fire. Now these domestically made components have what we call flight experience, which is very, very important for breaking into the supply chain of the global space industry. Now we've proven their capabilities and put them into orbit. On social media, President Tsai Ing-wen said the launch was a moment of pride for Taiwan's people, marking a giant leap for the nation's space industry. She said it underscored Taiwan's strengths in semiconductors and precise manufacturing, showcasing their applications in the space industry. She wrote that over the next 10 years, the government will invest 25.1 billion NT to build up the industry and showcase Taiwan to the world. On Orchid Island, locals are still working to rebuild after Typhoon Koinu. Volunteers from all over Taiwan have arrived to help out. Their acts of kindness have made an impact on the islanders, with one business owner lending scooters to visitors for free. Another has discounted ferry rides as a token of appreciation. Puddles cover the sports field at this elementary school, where soldiers are clearing out debris. Although it's been four days since Typhoon Koinu, locals are still cleaning up with wheelbarrows and brooms. Joining them at the school is a group of volunteers in blue t-shirts. They came from all corners of the country to roll up their sleeves and provide aid. Our mission is mainly to help out at the island's six elementary schools, including Lan Yu Elementary School, Yeyo Elementary School, Dongqing Elementary School, and Langdao Elementary School. Elementary school students are still quite young so they can't help as much with getting everything back to normal. With help from volunteers, the reconstruction work is gathering pace. As a token of appreciation, a ferry company offered half-price tickets. The owner of a scooter rental business is lending vehicles for free. The damage was very severe this time around. This is something we can do, so we hope to do our bit and help with anything we can. If more volunteers come, or more people want to help, they can get a scooter from us. We have about 100. It's not as if the scooter rental shop didn't suffer any losses, but even so, they are willing to offer their scooters for free. It shows that this society is full of love. It is far from heartless. The volunteers are helping with reconstruction on Orchid Island. They urge more people to join their ranks and lend a hand for disaster relief. A garden in Miaoli has become a vital way station for purple crow butterflies. Gardeners have deliberately cultivated plants that the butterflies need to survive. In a bid to attract these beautiful insects to the area and support their successful reproduction. The garden in Sandy Township lies in the middle of the crow butterflies migration route, making it the perfect place to offer the insects respite. 
The garden is open to visitors, and local volunteers are on hand to give nature lovers, young and old, a fascinating introduction to the crows and their secrets. This is a big natural greenhouse. Wherever you have this Kusukusu eupatorium plant, it attracts visits from butterflies from one or two kilometers around. The Butterfly Conservation Society of Taiwan uses Kusukusu eupatorium to attract butterflies to mate in their effort to promote crow butterflies breeding. Sanyi Township lies on the northward migration path of crows and has become a vital way station for them on their journey. This is called Euplea sylvester, the double-branded crow butterfly. When we look at its features like this, it plays dead. It's completely still and motionless. As you walk through the garden, the air fills with butterflies taking to the air. The whole garden is planted with Kusukusu eupatorium. This nectar-producing flower is known as crow butterfly Viagra. Why is it called crow Viagra? It's because the male's reproductive organs only mature when it eats this nectar. So that's the only way it can mate with a female. Horticulturalist Yang Jingren says that crows migrate north along the butterfly corridor every March. Miaoli happens to be right in the middle of their path. That's why the team planted all the Kusukusu eupatorium, the crow's favorite plant, and their plan has paid off, attracting crows in large numbers. Crows' wing markings exhibit purple iridescence in sunlight, hence their alternative name, fantasy butterflies. The males have hair pencils on their bottoms, used to scare off predators as well as in reproduction. Firstly, it's a threat to enemies. If I grab him now, am I his enemy? Well, I'm too big, so he can't scare me. Actually, who he really wants to scare is predators, things like spiders and mantises. You can see crow butterflies here all the way from April through October. Visitors can get a first-hand, up-close and personal experience of nature at its most delightful. New immigrants have founded an experimental education group for children in the hope of giving other immigrant families more options. Huang Huifeng and her French husband Alan Marzik settled in Taiwan after the pandemic began. Working in the high-tech industry, Alan is the kind of immigrant that Taiwan is seeking to attract. But the family were not sure how best to continue their child's education. In the end, they set up a group to provide more flexible education for their own child and for other families. Today is a special day. The children are presenting their studies to an audience and Alain Marzek is here with other parents to appreciate the technology exhibition the kids have worked so hard on. One of the difference we see in organizing these events and, and through the curriculum is that the students are actually leaders of their own curriculum, of their education. So they, they choose the subject. They choose what they want to learn. They choose how they want to present. And then the teachers are here to complement with more academic skills. They learn to propose, actually be active. So, you know, it's not easy at that age to actually talk about what you like, what you want to share, and then actually do it with others. So it's very active, it's not passive. When COVID-19 first broke out, Alan and his wife, Huang Huifeng, decided to move back to Taiwan to help their child learn Chinese. They were temporarily unable to get a place in a normal school, so they found themselves stepping into the world of experimental education. 
We didn't think the pandemic would last so long, so we decided to stay in Taiwan and put down roots. So we had to consider our child's language environment. Alan and Huifeng started an experimental education group with the hope that later their child could reintegrate with an elementary school in Taiwan. We want there to be more educational choices for the next generation when new immigrant families come to Taiwan, perhaps because of technical skills. So we became more and more cohesive. We hope our experimental education group can gradually expand and grow in a stable way, and we can turn it into an institution and make it into an institutionalized group. In the dedication to provide a good environment for their child to learn and grow, the couple have overcome many challenges. Now, they and the whole educational community are excited to see where their experiments will take them next.